Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited. He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette sports. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do. Coming in here. Uh, plenty of stuff to get to. Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology, is on with us. Yes, I know you might be aware he does a assembly call for you uh, blogger, the blogger boys. But we're going to keep it all on Delphi. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about uh, how many teams they've got in the Big Ten right now. Who is on the bubble? How big of frauds are the Big 12? And uh, does, I mean, Purdue, number one seed, right? Right? Number one overall seed? We'll talk about that and more, all right? That's coming up here in just a little bit. It's great talk. Uh, even got to talk a little bit, Tim, about uh, we go through some of these metrics, specifically the net. You've heard me rant about the net here on the program, about uh, how, specifically how much I hate it because you look at it and you go, huh? Yeah. And comparing resumes. But uh, Brian did a lot to uh, help illuminate uh, why that is the way that it is and how imperfect it is, but... Um, yeah, it's great. A group here that specializes in what those folks do on Selection Sunday. They're very accurate, good at what they do. So we'll talk with him. He's coming up here in just a few minutes. So stick around. That's a great conversation you don't want to miss out. Let's start with today's Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. Thank you, Michigan? Yeah, thank you, Michigan. Well, well, hold on a second. They won last night. They won last night, 72-68 to 68 over Wisconsin. I failed to remember that this is Wisconsin's first game since they played Purdue and the Purdue hangover, a real thing. I can't believe we lost that bet last night. Uh, third loss in a row for Wisconsin, now giving Purdue a two-game edge over Bucky. Meanwhile, Northwestern was able to hold off Nebraska 80-68. to 68. So, Northwestern still staying within arm's length here. Now, Purdue owns a two-game lead on Wisconsin, a game and a half over Illinois. Illinois plays early on Saturday. They got a noon tip-off on Saturday. Is it noon or is it one? I have it right here. It's a two o'clock tip-off. Sorry. So, they go to East Lansing. If the Illini were to lose that game, Purdue would be looking at owning a two-game lead over second place in the Big Ten with eight games left to play. That would include IU tomorrow night, where they would then stretch it to two and a half games if they get the W against Indiana. And you'd have seven to go. be a pretty nice place to be sitting in. Tonight, just one lone Big Ten game, Penn State, hosting Iowa. Look out with the Nittany Lions. They might get Kanye Cleary back tonight. We're waiting to find out about that. They've won the last two games. They've looked good. 
Despite that, Hawkeyes minus one and a half. In the Bryce Jordan Center? Man, I don't know. Then we'll talk about it. 76ers are acquiring Buddy are acquiring Buddy Heald from the Indiana Pacers. In return, the Pacers will receive Marcus Morris, freaking Corkmaz, and three second round picks. Says Woj. Buddy, 31. Has been one of the NBA's best three-point shooters. 12 points per game, 38.4% shooting from behind the arc across 52 games this season for the Pacers. He has 1,842 career three-pointers, second only to Steph Curry. Did not know this, but named after Bud Bundy from Married with Children. And um, there's more regrettable people to be named after. Bud certainly had his luck in the later years. He was a late bloomer. <laughs> so to speak. But I did not know that. So there you go. There's your little piece of trivia for today. Blackhawks lose again 2-1 to one to the Wild. Uh, Nick Foligno uh, with the lone goal for the Blackhawks. That is five L's in a row. The Rangers in town tomorrow at 8.30. It's not going good for those guys. I feel bad. I almost feel bad for Chicago fans. You were getting very, very, very excited to get, uh, you know, a generational talent. And it's not off to the best start because of injuries and some other stuff. But it's not that long ago you won how many cups with that old core? You're okay. You're doing fine. There you go. That is today's Need to Know News for this Thursday, February the 8th. You love to see it. All right. So last night's betting card, uh, we split, right? We got Northwestern to cover, and uh, Michigan somehow figures out a way. Look, to be fair, okay, I sat here and I said, yes, we want to take, uh, we wanted to take Wisconsin, but I did say that Wisconsin's three-point defense, which is bad. It's like 305th. So if Michigan could find a way to get hot like they did a couple of weeks ago at home, it could be trouble. What'd they go out there and do? Well, they shot 35% from three. They shot 45% overall. Just they've Found a way. I mean, Michigan has like the worst second half margin of scoring in the entire Big Ten. It's not even close. And Wisconsin just out of gas. More specifically, Wisconsin shot the three very poorly, just five and nineteen. Didn't do well there. They lost the rebounding battle, which they shouldn't have. Crawl was terrible. Four fouls. They never got him going. It's a bad game. It happens. It's all right. We're back at it tonight. Our friends over at ESPN Bet, let me tell you, we got one Big Ten game tonight, and quite honestly, the wrong team is favored. Like I, I don't know how you're taking the how are you taking the Hawkeyes tonight. Minus one and a half on the road. 
Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm actually thinking about taking the money line here for Penn State tonight, which is about even. Look, Hawkeyes are 1-4 against the spread in their last five games. They've won two of their last five. And they were against the, what, Michigan and um, somebody else is really, really trash. It was, is, was it Michigan and Ohio State? Is that who their last two victories are against? Yeah, no. This team got trashed in Indiana. Lost at home to Maryland. Maryland came all the way across the conference and whooped them in their own place. I think Maryland was a decided underdog in that game, too. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't terribly close. Oh, it was four and a half? I thought it was more than that. Still. Hawkeyes have not been good. Meanwhile, I don't know if you noticed this. Penn State kind of putting a little bit together here. No Kanye Clary the last couple of games. Two road games that went into Piscataway and won. They went into Assembly Hall and won. They didn't just go to Assembly Hall. They won by 14 in Assembly Hall. They went into Piscataway and won by 15. So maybe Penn State's got a little something going for them right now. Now, you get the news that Clary's going to play. That line is going to go to more of an even one anyway. So you either need to take your plus one and a half now, but if you're thinking about the money line, I mean, you may be forced into it. So why not go now and get a little bit more value on it? I'm on Penn State tonight. Penn State, four and two against the uh, spread over their last six games, three and two in their last five at home. The home team in this series has won six in a row. Road team hasn't won since Penn State went to Iowa in 2019. January 16th of 2019 is the last time a road team won a game in this series. I'm going to go ahead and jump on Penn State straight up tonight. I don't know how much I trust Iowa tonight. Penn State's a little bit hot. I mean, look at Iowa shooting on the road the last uh, two games here, right? So at Indiana and at Michigan, both those games they lost. You know they like to hit the three. They shot 27% at Indiana, 35% overall. Geez, they lost that Michigan game shooting 50% from three? Or they won that one. I'm sorry, I picked the wrong game to go back and look at. I was looking at the past couple of road games that they've played. Still, I'll take Penn State tonight, with or without Clary. I think they've got a little scrappiness to them right now. I think they're starting to figure things out. The only thing that scares me is, is Perkins shoots so good on the road. You know, he's shooting from three this year, 31%. You know what he shoots on the road from three? 43%. That's crazy. So you may want to buy into him tonight. 
if you're going to put together a little same-game parlay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and roll the dice with Penn State tonight. Not my favorite bet of the week, but I'm going to roll the dice a little bit with him. He's had how many straight games of 20-plus points tonight? Or 20-plus points. He's had one, two, three, four. The last five games, he's gone for at least 20 or more. Hasn't hit a three in his last three games. And you can get Perkins at over 17.5 on ESPN bet. He's been hot. Maybe that's the hot hand you want to ride tonight. We're going to take a break. Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology, joining the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline next. And uh, let's get some bracketology out for the Big Ten. And uh, what a, here, here's, I think you know where, Indi- or where Purdue's going to be, right? I am curious what he has to say about Indiana State. Let's talk to him about it. He's next. Stick around. More Hammer Down Show on the way on 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. To the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline we go. Uh, Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology is our guest. Uh, one of the leaders of a group that uh, has been so fantastic in predicting the NCAA bracket. Does he have a side gig on uh, Assembly? Yeah, he does, but we're not going to – we'll back off of that here. I, I understand what's happening Saturday, but we'll back off on that. I, I do want to talk a little bit about the bracket and uh, how it's starting to shake out. Brian, great to have you here. Um, we had you back on in January. It was a great talk. Uh, great to have you back here and kind of update folks. Real quick, for those that might not be aware of who you guys are – Tell me who Delphi Bracketology is, because I think it's very interesting. Yeah, we're a high school club, and now we actually have a class on Tuesdays and Thursdays of of high school students and teachers that get together and talk NCAA basketball. But specifically, we act like the NCAA selection committee in trying to predict uh, where the teams are going to be seated in the bracket and who they're going to be playing. And we produce content uh, at DelphiBracketology.com. We put out a bracket and a seed list and we have a lot of social media, Twitter and Instagram, and we have a show on ISC Sports Network where we just try to help the people who listen and follow understand how Purdue, how the teams uh, locally will be there in the tournament and then where they're likely to be seated and play and give that information out through the basketball season. And uh, that's what we do. It's, it's been good. We've had some really good results nationally. Uh, but more than that, it's, it's just fun to have a opportunity to do something fun in school that has a lot of data and speaking and writing as well. So that's what we're about, and we're glad to share it here on The Hammer. All right, so let's uh, let's get into it here. Um, in terms of conferences and breaking down the bids here, it seems like the Big 12 is poised to have the most here, although a lot of folks not happy with uh, a lot of the non-conference that those teams play. Yeah. Um, for, for reference here, like uh, just going down like Ken Palm and stuff, like BYU, Iowa State, two teams, 16 and 6, 17 and 5, uh, which you would think are very good. And the metrics are pretty darn decent for them. But the non-conference schedules are all in like the mid-300s, which is so laughable. Um, and uh, that's crazy. But so far, you would think what they're number one here and the amount of bids they're probably going to get. Yeah, they're they're the best conference by far, and they kind of gamed it a little bit with their non-conference schedule, and the reason their metrics are, are halfway decent is because you beat up on uh, teams that have that are part of that week's schedule. So there has been some talk in the bracketology world about do they really um, deserve the seed that they're getting. I think they deserve to be in because that's just a brutal uh, schedule for everyone. 
who plays in that Big 12. So I think you'll see nine or ten teams from the Big 12 when it's all said and done. That'll be the big winner. And then uh, that brings us to the Big 10, you know. Uh, a lot of we talked in January here. We thought maybe this was uh, not as many bids as you are used to seeing. Maybe we we're talking, I think, about like five maybe at the time here uh, because there were some teams that were having a lot of trouble. Uh, we talked specifically about Indiana and how low they were in the net, that they were going to be in a lot of trouble. You had even said that uh, even a miraculous run through the back half of the Big Ten uh, season probably wouldn't be enough. We thought Michigan State was that odd duck because I think a lot of us wrote them off but yet their metrics continue to be really, really strong here. They've got a home game with Illinois this weekend, which will go a long way to help them out. But what do you have right now? Who do you have in for the Big Ten? We have six teams in, and I think that's probably the most that will get in. There's a little bit of concern about a team dropping out, and you mentioned it. Nebraska and Michigan State are probably the two that are most most vulnerable right now, but we have the top three, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, in and in comfortably, uh, barring something major happening, they will be in the tournament and probably seeded quite highly. And then we have Northwestern, who we feel pretty comfortable because of good wins. And then Nebraska and Michigan State right now are on our 10 seed line. Michigan State has good metrics, but not a good record. They're only two and seven in, in that quad one. They have to win a win games period and have to win some big games or they can see themselves kind of slipping out. So I think four comfortably right now, uh, but six in our bracket. We're talking with Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology here on the Hammerhead Hotline. One of the, uh, the, the, one of the newer metrics that we use here, uh, Brian, or that you guys use to determine who is in, who, who is not, is the net. I have been vocal about how much I do not like this because you look at the eyeball test. Okay, well, let's just go with this. Uh, Michigan State, who you said, uh, probably a bubble, but still has work to do. If I look at them at the net, what they're sitting up at uh, 24. Yet a couple other teams that you feel like are pretty good, the Wildcats sitting at 55. Uh, we talked about uh, Nebraska sitting at 57. Somehow Iowa's in the picture, despite the fact that they're 0-6 in quad one, sitting at 60. Usually that tournament cutoff's around 50 or so, right? So how, how yeah. I mean, is it just, is this more of a field thing? I, Explain this in relation to the net, how you have uh, somebody like Michigan State being the position that they're in with their position, and then those other teams we just talked about below that proverbial cutoff line. Yes, I, I actually like the net. I think it represents a, a combination of who you play and who you beat and where you play them, the old RPI, and how well you play offense and defense with offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. I don't think it's perfect, though. And you bring up the points. You're, you, you do it rather well about what's wrong with that is you play uh, – you beat good teams by 9 or 10 or you beat them by 1. That's still a win. But the larger margin of victory plays a role in the net. That's what I don't like. But I'd like to have a cap or I'd like to have some sort of multiplier that says you played this level of competition and so you get this kind of whatever mathematical formula. But they're, they're outliers. I actually believe the net uh, does show good basketball teams. I think Michigan State is a good basketball team but has lost to good uh, teams. That's why they're 2-7 and seven in quad one. Now – what the committee does, though, is they don't use it as an actual scoreboard. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up in 24 means uh, that Michigan State is better than uh, Northwestern at 55. We really, we actually have Northwestern higher than Michigan State because of the whole package of information that the NCAA committee looks at 
it's not, uh, you know, we look at Major League Baseball and the NFL. If you're nine and seven, another team is uh, eight and seven. Nine and seven is better than eight and seven. And we are so ingrained with that with sports fans that when we see a 24 net for Michigan State, we assume that they're they're overall better in the seeding than Northwestern. They're not. It's just the mathematical formula that's used to sort the quad system. And I think it's rather efficient. And the committee does a good job of not taking, like Gonzaga is 26 right now, uh-huh. Jared, and they're, they're far out of the tournament because they just haven't won enough games. So there are those outliers are, the NCAA committee is well aware of the outliers. The people who have gained the system with playing poor quality opponents and those that have a high net but no uh, resume metric. And there's a lot more on the team sheets that help people make what I think are good decisions. And I think it's better, but not perfect yet, uh, better than it was five, six, seven years ago. And you were explaining to me too, like, because they break this down with like quad one, quad two, and, you know, three and four. And I, I think if you are just a, a layman to this, you, you look at Houston at the top at number one, they're six and three in quad one, two and oh in, in quad two. And you say, well, why is Purdue, who is eight and two in quad one, more, more, more games played and, uh, you know, more wins, and then 7-0 and in quad two, far, far and beyond more, yet Houston gets to be up there. And you were telling me, too, like, the, the difference between quad one and quad two is not, it's not this grand canyon. It's not this gaping, you know, uh, hole between the two of them. That It's a lot closer than I think fans realize that it is. Yeah, and, and most bracketologists have Purdue easily ahead of Houston. So despite the one net, uh, for Houston, which they got by having wide margins of victory in the non-conference, even though the non-conference was not very strong. That's the, that's the piece that is, I think, imperfect. Because there's no doubt that in any metric right now, Purdue should be number one. Uh, because just the way they played and the way they played against top-quality opponents. But they're not too far off. They're number two. Uh, so uh, we have Purdue as overall one seed. I think every other bracketologist that I've, I've tried to look at has, has Purdue at number one. So that's the thing I would tell your listeners to look at the, the whole body of work, the whole picture. The net is just, the net ranking is just one piece. It's really how you, what you do with all of that that matters. And Purdue has risen to that high level of the number one overall seed. We're talking with Brian Tonsoni from Delphi Bracketology here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. In terms of the Big Ten, is it just is it just flat out there's just not enough good teams this year? Has it been a scheduling thing for the Big Ten? What do you feel like has held them back this year from you know going down to what we say like five maybe six bids um, instead of having those like seven eight nine like we're used to talking about for for them? Did they not do enough work in the non-conference this year in your estimation? That is exactly it, Jared. There weren't enough wins and quality wins in the non-conference. Therefore, the metrics took a hit. And now that you play each other, you're just playing average metrics instead of a good met- – there's not enough good teams to beat. If you have – like the Big 12 has so many teams in the top 40 or 50, every game is a quad two or a quad one win, which boosts your resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Purdue beating Indiana is going to be important on Saturday. That's a quad three win. Uh, and, and probably deservedly if you want me to give my Indiana take, but – you know, when you beat an Indiana at home, that should be a quad two in most years. And, and Indiana's 14 and nine, right? So, but they did nothing in the non-conference. They lost all of their big marquee games. And then when they played their softer part of their schedule, they had six point wins and seven point wins. And that's where Indiana's metrics now put them at a net of 90 
and then that falls into the quad three at Purdue will be a quad three game on Saturday for Purdue, which again is very important that you don't lose that for Purdue's resume. Uh, That would be a a negative loss. So uh, they just didn't do enough. They didn't do enough in their wins uh, and they didn't do enough in their losses to, to have the depth that they have had in the past. I do want to ask you about one other local-ish team here before we let you go, Brian. That's Indiana State. I mean, a heck, a heck of a run right now, right? They get 20 wins already. There's a 22-23 they're at right now. Um, you know, going through the back half of their conference schedule, uh, I don't think they're, they they certainly don't have any more quad one games, but a couple of quad two games. Um, assuming that they do what they should do going through here, let's say they don't need their conference tournament at all. Where, where do you guys have them seated at right now? We have them on the eighth seed line, uh, and they they are one and three in quad one, three and zero oh in quad two. You're right; they have two road games that would qualify as quad two. If they win those, I think they are in. Uh, I think they can absorb one loss, maybe, uh, and then get to the championship of the Missouri Valley Conference. And if they lose to Drake or Bradley, a couple of really good teams in that conference in the conference championship. I, I think they get in. I really do. Now, maybe that's because my son went to school there, and, and it's just a feel-good story, and they run offense, which for my fan base and my side gig, uh, it's good offense, and you really appreciate good offense when you see it. Um, so uh, I, I think the Sycamores have done enough. They, they can't lose, again, I think two maximum to be considered, but if they go 7-1, and one, I think they have eight games left. They go seven and one, and they're twenty-seven and four. Win two games in the conference tournament, they're twenty-nine and four, and then lose in a close game to Drake. I think you're going to see them in, maybe in a play-in game at, at worst. I think the committee will really go back into the problem of the net and some of this stuff. I'd rather see this quality team in than the tenth team from the Big Twelve. Yes, and that that has to be remedied. The, you know, the tournament is one of the greatest things, regardless. But just because the teams in the Big 12 game the system, have good nets, and play each other and get, you know, eight quad ones and nine quad twos, but if they finish ninth or tenth and they're five or six games above 500, how can you keep a team like Indiana State out that is, has played Alabama, played Michigan State, done what they've had to do? It's just there needs to be two – I think there needs to be two to four spots open for smaller school quality teams. In the tournament, and don't uh, make them stay, play. And don't make them play the play-in. Make these uh, bum exactly. teams in the Big Twelve. Make them play the extra games there. If they got to yes. get in the, by the skin of their teeth, the at large, I much rather. I, I don't care if the if the you know if the conference schedule is uh, a little bit weak. They played who they had to play, and if you have 20, 27 wins, why in the world should you have to prove to anybody else to play one more? to get uh, one of those, like, 16. That's ridiculous to me. Make Absolutely. those other bums to do it. They're the, you're right. They game the system. I'm with you 100%. And it's Missouri Valley. It's like the eighth or ninth best conference in the, in the whole country. It's not like it's uh, the, tw- the 32nd best small conference. You're not talking about the SWAC team going 27-3. and three. You're talking about a Missouri Valley who, who, can, who took Michigan State down the last two minutes uh, at Michigan State. So it is – it is one of the things, as much as I love the tournament and love doing the brackets, that the Mountain West has five or six teams that are in Utah State, Boise State. Put more of those in. Let's see those teams play rather than 
uh, a Cincinnati or, or a team like that that's ninth or tenth from the Big 12. But that's my rant for the day, I guess. <laughs> Just for the day. If you want more of Brian's rants, I'll tell you what. Uh, go to the web, What's the website where they can uh, get the daily capsules, things like that that you guys do? Yeah, we, we uh, DelphiBracketology.com. Look for our seed list. We're trying to update that on a regular basis. The bracket will be updated at least once or twice a week. And now we've just added some things. We're going to add game of the week, upset of the week, bracket updates, bubble news, all of that uh, going forward these last 40 days before Selection Sunday. I put kids in charge of that uh, just today in our class. So we'll be producing all kinds of content there. And on Twitter, at Delphi Brackets, if you have a question that you'd like to answer, send it to us. We'll try to get it answered as soon as possible. And don't forget about the TV show on ISC. They can stream that on YouTube, right? Yes, correct. I think it's subscription-based, uh, but I think when it comes out uh, on Tuesday nights, you watch it on social media, I think you can watch it without the subscription. I think that's what I do. So, uh, But that's been great. Uh, they've been wonderful to, to put us in a TV studio, and you, you know, we appreciate what you do and asking us to be on as well. I, I love the information. You guys work so hard at it. It's the coolest club I've ever heard of in high school. And I can't believe you actually get to do it for class now, too, which is, uh, you know what? Forget teaching the kids cursive. Let's teach them bracketology. It's useful information the way that I see it. Coach Brian Tonsoni here with us uh, on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Check it out, DelphiBracketology.com, buddy. We'll get you back on again here real soon. As soon as we get up uh, almost to Selection Sunday, we'll have to have you guys back on here, and uh, we'll get those final predictions and uh, Selection Sunday. We'll see how the kids do. All right. Big thank you to Brian Tonsoni there for Delphi Bracketology. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. It's uh, amazing to be able to have um, somebody uh, like that right here in our own backyard that they – uh, do such a great job. I mean, they were one of the best in the country a few years back. Like, out of all those bracketologists, now there's just so many of them. It's uh, it's getting harder and harder because, uh, yeah, if you get some outliers and stuff, somebody gets it right. Oh, it's crazy. But it's great to get some of that clarity, too. You know, we constantly look, and this is my point, we spend so much time, so much time, Looking at things like your Ken Palm, um, looking at things like the net, that I think we forget sometimes to take a look at what exactly it all means. I had put so much stock in the net because I was told this is the new thing. This is what they were using. And you listen to Brian say, listen. Houston may be number one. They may be number one in these metrics. But the committee doesn't use, uh, what's the phrase, does not use it as a scoreboard. And also, I thought that they would view the quad one to quad two, there being like a bigger, you know, more value on those quad one games. Turns out there's not. At least in the net, it's not. I think humans look at it and will do a better job. But for now, it is what it is. But the Big 12, when he talks about how they've schemed the system here, right? So if you beat up on a whole bunch of bad teams um, and really really beat up on bad teams in the non-conference, all of a sudden, everybody's coming in to the conference season, and everybody is like quad one games. 
in the Big 12. If you can do that, you can theoretically inflate your, uh, your, your, your numbers. And that's kind of the argument against the Big 12. You know, Houston is in at number one. But you look at where the rest of the Big 12 is. You know, Iowa State is nine. TCU is 37. Texas Tech is 36. UCF at 65. BYU at eight. Kansas State at 76. Texas at 38. Kansas at 12. Cincinnati at 32. Baylor at 14, Oklahoma at 27, and you say to yourself, hey, this is this is a really good conference, but they're coming in because of the other metrics in the in in the formula there. They're beating the snot out of bad teams in the non-conference. You look at the Ken Palm and their uh, adjusted non-conference the, the Ken Palm will break down your non-conference schedule. And I wish I could sort this by conference, but Houston. 224. Oh, it won't let me go from backwards either. That would be so nice. We'll go Houston 224. BYU's at 11. 311. Iowa State at 12. 342, the non conference. Oklahoma, 21. 314th. Texas, 294. TCU, 351. Cincinnati, 292. To put this in perspective, Indiana State has played a harder schedule in the non-conference than a majority of the Big 12. And they're at 279. You have major conferences with non-conferences in the 300s. A Power 5 conference with multiple teams in the 300s in the non-conference. And they are the only ones. I mean, the only ones you can take a look at, UConn didn't play much. They were 264. Duke didn't play as 213. Baylor actually did okay at 127 compared to the rest of the conference. New Mexico's in the Mountain West, and they're at 177. Get out. You can't tell me you can't schedule. I mean, it's so laughable. So you get all these teams that are, you know, doing really well, but then, you know, you see them in the net, you know, how the heck are they getting 10 teams in, you think? UCF, 327. And they're 13 and 8. But that also inflates what their, you know, strength overall strength of schedule is with the with when you add in the conference and everybody's doing good with these metrics. So it'll be real e- interesting, very interesting to see if the committee will punish those Big 12 teams for not getting out in non-conference play. But that's the knock right there. That's going to be the big argument, I think, when we get to uh, Selection Sunday. And that's one of those things that Brian was just you know, advocating for. Much rather get an Indiana State team 
that, you know, for a small school, at least got out there and played some teams. He's going to have maybe 26 victories going into uh, their conference tournament, as opposed to all these Power 5 teams that decided to take it extremely easy on themselves. And then they all came into conference play and said, oh, look at us, we're all tough. Because they blew out a bunch of bad teams, the rest of the metrics helped offset it. Tried to gain the system, as he said. It makes sense. It makes sense. But that will be the big argument come Selection Sunday. Other than that, I agree with him with pretty much everything else. I think this is probably a 5-6 to six bid league for the Big Ten this year. But I saw 10 for the Big 12, and I'm like, I hope not. They better do something about that. And we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. Nothing is guaranteed. I mean, we are talking about February, March in NCAA basketball. That's the way these things work out. Now, you know me. I'm going to be enjoying all that stuff thanks to my friends at Xfinity. You know, get X5 from Xfinity. I can count on a reliable connection for all my devices, even when everyone is online. Kids, me, family over, friends over, whatever we got. And you know you're having people over for those parties to watch the games, everything. You have multiple devices on there. So not only do you have the reliable connection, you're going to be able to protect your devices, help keep everyone safe and secure online with advanced security, included at no extra cost with Xfinity XVI. You got kids like me, they don't want to get off the apps? Use that Xfinity app to pause your Wi-Fi, disconnect for a while, set the family safe browsing, and so much more. I love that I have it because now I don't have to worry about my kids getting into stuff that they probably shouldn't. They may not know any better sometimes. So I love Xfinity. They're always watching out for me, all the devices that I got connected. They can watch out for you, too. I'll tell you what. Give a holler. Get started today by calling 1-800-XFINITY. Visit Xfinity.com. Or just drop into an Xfinity store today. Get more details. Based on Xfinity's fastest available download speeds, X5 Advanced Security is available to Xfinity Internet customers with a compatible Xfinity X5 gateway. Must activate Advanced Security through the Xfinity app. Ability to pause limited to home network does not apply to Wi-Fi hotspots. Don't go anywhere. We're coming back and wrapping up the Hammer Down Show next on 1017 The Hammer. Haley's Lock, Safe, and Key is your home for Benchmade knives. Benchmade knives are the edge of perfection among collectors and those serious about their knives. Benchmade has a finely crafted knife for any lifestyle and offers five different actions, including the patented Bally Song action, and is so confident of their strength, edge, and performance, they offer a lifetime sharp warranty and will sharpen your Benchmade free as long as you own it. Find your Benchmade knife competitively priced at Haley's Lock, Safe, and Key, 415 North Earl Avenue in Lafayette and 200 West Spring Street in Crawford. Welcome back as we wrap up the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Tomorrow, it's Friday. Usually means we get Sam King on the air here. It'll be a big one as uh, Purdue gets set to take on Indiana in Mackey Arena, looking to extend the lead in the Big Ten. Uh, they'll have a chance to do it there, and they'll get some help, too, if Illinois can't get a W at Michigan State earlier in the day. It's 8 p.m. tip-off. For your uh, Saturday night. So it's going to be a good one here. NBA trade deadline continues. And the Indiana Pacers are now. We told you about the first trade. This, uh, now the Indiana Pacers are sending a 2029 second round pick. From the Clippers to San Antonio. To get Doug McDermott back. Along with Marcus Morris Sr. Who is expected to be waived. 
or bought out, according to ESPN's Andrew Lopez. So welcome back, Doug McDermott, to the Pacers. Okay. Golden State Warriors are trading Corey Joseph to the Pacers for a second-round pick. So welcome, Corey Joseph, from the Golden State Warriors. Who is currently averaging 2.4 points, 1.2 rebounds, and shooting 35%. Okay. So the Pacers are making some moves. Pacers did get some cash there, too. So look at them. Making deals. Some of the things we may have missed. I love the Super Bowl week. So many celebrities get on so many random podcasts, and then we also get a good amount of stories. Dan Marino says he cost himself a fortune being an Ace Ventura pet detective. He was on Pat McAfee's show. Said he took the flat appearance fee instead of points on the movie, which turned out to be a $100 million movie off of $15 million. Dan also took some credit, saying he didn't want to do it originally, met with Jim, decided to do it, that he basically made Jim. Still. I mean, this is up there when Elway didn't take a, a share of the uh, Broncos, right? Get paid in a share of the Broncos. It's not that much money. But I'm saying Marino probably missed out on about, I think he got, they didn't say how much he got. But it wasn't that. I think it was probably like around a million, a little under a million or something. He probably missed out on about 10 million there. Probably. Bummer, man. You hate to see it. Chad Johnson says he's been uh, given a job with the Las Vegas Raiders on the coaching staff, although he had no idea what it was. Antonio Pierce says he's officially a member of the Raiders coaching staff later after that. Nobody seems to tell me what he's going to do. This sounds like a terrible Super Bowl commercial in the making. How do you mean you don't know what you're going to do? Come on. That does it for us today on the Hammer Down Show. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock on the